Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of To The Point Podcast. Hope you guys are all doing well. Uh, coming out of Thursday night in sports where we see uh, a lot of great hockey matchups, like I mentioned yesterday, uh, Lightning Panthers, uh, Leafs Jets, uh, Boston and the Islanders, uh, Carolina getting back on the ice against um, the National Predators. And we're starting to see some divisions tighten up, um, some interesting uh, interesting outcomes in the central division where uh, you got really a tight race at the top. And then at the bottom, we're starting to see the Dallas stars creep back into the playoff, a playoff position. So um, we're going to get into all that today. Talk about um, the RBC heritage down Hilton head, South Carolina, where, um, you know, a guy was shot his career low round yesterday uh, to, to lead the tournament. So we'll get into all that, get into Steph Curry uh, doing some crazy things. Monday night, he passed Will Chamberlain for the all-time lead in Gold State Warriors points. But he's also got nine straight 30-point games, which, um, you know, Steph Curry, when you saw him come under Davidson, I'm sure a lot of people thought, okay, this guy will be a good NBA prospect. But in my opinion, he's changed the game more than maybe any player in the history of the, of the sport. So we're going to get into all that today. But like I mentioned, I'll talk the Central Division in, in the NHL is really super compelling to me because I think, you know, I, I harp on the, the Canadian division, but I don't think there are three teams that could potentially go on a Stanley cup run in this, in the uh, Canadian division. I don't see the Oilers with the Leafs or the jets at the top of that heap. I look at the central division, obviously the Tampa Bay lightning are Stanley cup favorites in my opinion. And if they're not in most people's opinion, uh, I need to have a chat with them. Then you have the Carolina hurricanes. The Carolina hurricanes are a Stanley cup contender. They've made it to a conference final in the past two years. They've won playoff rounds. They've, they are, they are still like, they're, they're bigger Stanley cup contenders than the jets or the Maple Leafs for that matter, because winning in the playoffs, getting that experience, like I mentioned yesterday is paramount to success. So, and then you have the Florida Panthers, you know, they're kind of in that middle ground with the least jets. Um, I look at, uh, other division like Boston has more experience. The, the Islanders, I think those teams are kind of in the middle. The Minnesota Wild are kind of with um with Florida and the Leafs and the Jets in that uh, scenario. But looking at, at Florida, they're a point back of Carolina and Tampa Bay with 59. Tampa Bay and Carolina both with 60. But this division is so compelling because only one team can come out of it. And, you know, I think Carolina and the Lightning are definitely – the favorites right now to to get to that second round because I think both teams are a bit better than Florida. Uh, Florida's had a great season. Again, they've, they've been playing Vash, uh, sorry, Bobrovsky and Chris Drieger kind of mixed matching starts and, and you know, they've both been very good. But they have some injuries right now. I think they're a little inexperienced, but they're a team that's definitely on the rise with you know Joel Quenville behind the bench. But looking at, looking at what's happening, you got... Tampa Bay, who's in lockstep with Carolina, but Carolina has beaten Tampa twice this year. They play every team hard. They've beaten Florida four out of the five times, four out of the six times they've played so far. Vincent Trocek, a former Florida Panther, has nine points in those games. He's been lighting up his former team. And they have three goalies that can play at an NHL level. They have James Reimer, they have Alex Nadelkovic, and they have Peter Mrazek, who's recently returned from injury and look like he hasn't lost a step. He's been playing great. Now, Carolina does worry me in a sense because when you don't have a starting, when you have three good goalies, do you really have 
any great goalies. Um, going, you know, we've seen uh, in the past couple of years, the Islanders, they had Thomas Grice, Simeon Barlamov. They went deep into the playoffs, but they didn't win because you're going back and forth between net miners. It's, it's an uneasy feeling when you go into the playoffs and you're like, well, do we really have a number one goaltender? So Carolina, to me, their starter when everyone's healthy is Peter Morazic. But again, he hasn't proven anything in the playoffs. Um, you know, I put him slightly above the Jack Campbells or some of those other net, uh, you know, uh, even Connor Hellebuck for that matter, because Hellebuck, he got to a conference final a few years ago, but that was in 2015 when they lost it. You know, that was a long time ago when they lost to the Ducks. So it's been a minute since he's been there. Um, but Mrazek got to a conference final being primarily the starter last year, but Rob Brendamore and, and that Carolina brass is not afraid to switch to James Reimer um, midway through a series looking for a spark. I've never been the biggest fan of that. I think you ride with the guy that you trust that got you to the dance and having more than one guy ready to play. It can be a good feeling, but also uneasy because you need to have trust in your starter. You look at Tampa Bay. They got Andrew, they got Andre Vasilevsky. You're, you're set. He's the best goalie in hockey right now. Um, you know, career achievement, of course, you're going to say it's Carey Price or whomever, but Vasilevsky it is the best goalie. I mean, if, if you had an Olympic roster and you could pick from any country and you had the first pick and you did not pick Andre Vasilevsky in net and you need to get your brain checked. Um, and Tampa Bay, you got Victor Hedman. You watched that Florida game last night. Florida should have won. But two reasons Florida did not win. They would shoot Tampa Bay 38 to 19. They played really well. Again, they should have won. But they lose for two real big reasons. Number one, Andre Vasilevsky. Of course, best goal in hockey, like I just said. And who scores the overtime winner, basically just chewing up the three-on-three? Victor Hedman, the best defenseman in hockey. And it's these X factors that would concern me if I'm Carolina and Florida. Just, you're going to have to beat Tampa Bay. You're getting Nikita Kucherov back. Now, Tampa did get a little bit of a scare last night. Steven Samkos was placed on long-term IR. He'll be at least 10 games. So he'll be eligible to return with about four or five games left in their season. So likely get a few games in for the playoffs. So it doesn't sound like it's a serious, serious thing, but it's, it's Steven Stamkos. The guy has been injured more than any other superstar in the past 10 years. He misses a ton of hockey, but then again, you look at what they did last year. They didn't play. Steven Samkos played, you know, three minutes in the playoffs. They won a Stanley cup. You're getting Nikita Kucherov back. You still have Braden point who is a gr good regular season player. We saw last year in the playoffs. He's a fantastic playoff player. He's a big game player. He comes to play when the chips are on the table. And it, I, I think Carolina can give Tampa Bay a really good run for the money. I think Florida can give Tampa Bay a good run for the money. I mean, they should have beaten them last night and they play them hard all the time, but it's just looking at it. You look at Tampa Bay and you say, how can this team lose? Honestly, that's what I'm thinking right now. It, it, it wouldn't matter if it was Toronto and Vegas in the division. I'm not just, I'm saying the whole league, how does Tampa Bay lose? Now, 
the one big thing is injuries. You know, we see Kucherov hasn't played a game all year. Maybe he comes back off LTIR. He just, he had hip surgery. That's not a minor surgery. It's not like he's having a nose job and he isn't himself and he can't play or his skating's off. That's definitely a, a variable that can come into play. Um, Steven Stamkos, is he out long-term? Um, does David Savard fit in well? And of course, but the only real concern that I can see with this team is health because say Braden Point goes through a two, three game stretch where he just doesn't have it. Well, I think Kucherov can step up. I think Alex Kaloran can chip in a few goals. Blake Coleman, Matthew Joseph. I mean, we've seen that an AHL player. They never thought they'd play this year. Ross Colton. He's got eight goals. Probably never heard of him. You'll see him in the playoffs because he's going to be on the fourth line, third, fourth line, running around hitting people, probably chipping in. That's what they have. That's what they do on this team. And for Carolina, they are tied with Tampa, but they do have a game in hand. You know, for Carolina, I think it's imperative that they get first place in the Central. Play Nashville or play Dallas in the first round and get a bit of a breather. You know, Nashville's been a really good story in the back half of the season, playing some good hockey. But I don't think they're a real threat to the Carolina Hurricanes. Get an easier series. Maybe you win it in four or five games. You get more of a rest before you get, you know, the defending Stanley Cup champions uh, who will likely, you know, in that scenario would play Florida. I think they'll beat them. But you want to give yourself the best opportunity to have success. And for me, for Carolina, it's get that first spot, get home ice, and get some rest while Tampa may have a longer series with Florida. Florida's a gritty team. They're not going to give up. I mean, they've lost Aaron Eckblad for the season. They acquired Brian Mortar. They, they still have some guys. You know, Sam Bennett's going to be coming into the lineup. They're a team that, that has a lot of fight, that has a lot of pride. And I think they'll fight with Tampa to the bitter end. You know, you got your interstate rival. And, you, you know, you're not going to let that one go by with, without a fight. So I think this is a really intriguing division. You know, they're within a point. You know, the top three are within a point of each other. And I think it's going to be a dogfight all year to see who comes out of it, uh, who gets that first spot. You know, Florida, New Carolina has two games in hand on Florida, but that doesn't mean that Florida couldn't get first. Uh, Games in hand are only valuable if you win them. I see that all the time. Well, we see in in the Canadian division, well, Calgary is now back into it because they beat Montreal, they beat Toronto. And well, everybody's like, well, Montreal's got three games in hand. Well, yeah, they got three games in hand, but if they lose all their games in hand, what's the games in hand worth? Jack shit. Games in hand are only valuable if you win them. And for, for Carolina, take advantage. You beat Nashville last night, a good win. You know, that's a team you should beat. Tampa Bay and Florida had a, had a tougher matchup. But you look at this division, Columbus is a team that sold off Felino, sold off Savard, Riley Nash. They got a lot worse. You have to beat them now. Those matchups you have to win. You're playing weaker teams. Even Chicago, who lost to Detroit last night, beat Chicago, beat the aforementioned Detroit Red Wings. In this division, defeating the teams that you're supposed to may may just get Carolina the first seed. And taking advantage of weaker opponents is, is imperative for them. Tampa Bay not having first is not that as important because... I think they can go in anywhere and win, but playing more hockey, getting more exposure, potential injury, potential fatigue after playing longer last season, 
could be a, a helping hand for Carolina down the stretch here. Now, I mentioned Nashville. They, they've had a great stretch of play where we see kind of Rene and Saros go back-to-back in net. Ryan Johansson's played better hockey. Uh, Roman Yossi returning from injury obviously is imperative. He's their best player. Arvidsson, Rocco Grimaldi have been finding the back of the net. And this team just seems to have a little bit more of a confidence about them. They, they're playing with a little bit of swagger. They decide not to sell off, you know, Matias Ekholm, Ryan Ellis, uh, Philip Forsberg at the deadline. They stand pat. They add actually Erica Branson to the roster. So they're, they're set. They look like they want to be a playoff team. Now it's intriguing because Dallas is lurking. Nashville's got 49 points. Dallas has 44. And, you know, the aforementioned games in hand. Um, Dallas has three games in hand on the Nashville Predators. And what could really come be important down the stretch here is when they play each other. They played each other on Sunday. Dallas lost uh, to Nashville in a shootout. The last thing you want to do is, well, first of all, you never want to get to a shootout because it's going to get me to turn off the TV. But also you do not want to head into the team you're chasing. You want to beat them regulation. But it's it's interesting because Dallas has been heating up. Joe Pavelski's finding his game. Dennis Gurionov, who's a, a guy who I think has a lot of potential as a, as a guy who can be a 25 goal scorer uh, year in, year out. You got Jason Robertson, the brother of uh, Toronto Maple Leaf forward Nick Robertson. Jason's having a spectacular season, but I think he's very well could get nominated for the Calder Trophy. He is 21 years old, so he's not too, you know, he's not a uh, Kaprizov who, who will win the award when it comes to age. He's got 30 points in 37 games as a rookie. 12 goals, 18 assists, really solid season for him. You know, Miro Heiskin has kind of found his game down the stretcher. Hudobin and Jake Ottinger, you know, Ben Bishop, it was announced this week, he's out for the season, and Alex Radulov. But Ottinger's been solid. Hudobin, when he's eligible to play, has been off, off and on the COVID list. He's been okay as of late. So it's, it's an opportunity here for Dallas. They're a team that obviously went to the Stanley Cup final last year, got hit by injuries with Bishop. Tyler Sagan has not played a game this year. So it's been difficult. It's been a difficult season. They started the year with, you know, 18 players on the COVID list, even before the puck drop. So they've been, they've been behind the eight ball f- since day one, but I give them a ton of credit for battling. And can you take advantage of the games in hand? You know, that's, that's the theme here. We see teams that, that have missed time with COVID. You're going to have games in hand, but can you win them? Montreal, can you beat, can you win? They play Calgary again tonight, huge game. Can you take advantage of the games in hand? Um, Vancouver, likely out of it, but I'll talk about them in a minute. But can you come back and find a spark or is there too many, you know, players sick and what have you with, with the, uh, with the COVID variant? But Tyler Sagan, it, it, it's reported he may come back before the end of the year. Again, it's going to have to be quick. There's just about a month left of the season. T- today's April 16th. The season's supposed to end on May 16th. Now, I don't know if that'll change with Vancouver delaying uh, their start, uh, their return. But looking at Dallas, I don't rule them out because you've got some players on there that have playoff experience. you got Jamie Benn, Joe Bavelski. He's 38. He's not going to miss the playoffs this late into his career, and he'll want to push for it. I think Kudobin's – we see a lot of good competitors. They have a lot of guys. They don't have the most skill, but they they got a lot of heart. They got a lot of pride. And for Dallas to get into the playoffs, 
They made it to a cup final last year. You never know. You get in there, Sagan returns, you find some magic. Jamie Ben finds his game like he did in the playoffs last year. Who knows? But it's interesting to watch down the stretch here what Dallas can do if Nashville can keep winning and, and stay ahead of them because I think that'll be a, a tight race. Chicago's kind of fallen off. I don't see them um, getting back into it. They lose to Detroit last night. I mean, that's a must-win game when you're battling for the playoffs. So they're out of it. Columbus, they're done. Trading players off. They're thinking about next season and beyond when it comes to signing Seth Jones, Zach Berensky, and probably having a new coach behind the bench next season. So just a few things to watch uh, here in the Central Division. I think it's really compelling division. Again, not a talked about division because it's Canadian division all the time up here, but there's some good hockey, some really good teams uh, that, that need to be, that you need to be aware of in, in the essential division. Now I mentioned COVID being a huge, you know, obviously it's the story of the probably going to be the decade when you look back at the uh, 2020s, even if, because it's the first couple of years, people are going to remember COVID, you know, you see in Ontario right now, it's, maybe worse than it ever has been potential lockdowns curfews in coming the Toronto Marlies have been shut down. So it, it's a mess in Toronto. It's around the world. It's still very prominent. Uh, we're starting to see more vaccines come out in the States, not so much here, but for sure, it's going to be the story of the decade, you know, just people being afraid to, to go to a grocery store. I mean, how can that not be a headline, but in the Vancouver Canucks, I think it's blue. This would be over 10, 10 to 14 days now where you know, we learned that Adam Gaudet had tested positive for COVID-19. And then it started a slew of players for Jake Vertanen and Niles Hoglander and uh, Raiden Holtby and Jake. Uh, you know, their whole team basically was put on the COVID list. Not, be not because every player had it, but, you know, some, some did, you know, Travis Hamannick, uh, Brandon Sutter, all these guys have, some of them have families with their kids had gotten COVID. So it was a scary situation in Vancouver, but in the world of sports and in life, it goes on. And it was Vancouver supposed to return to the ice tonight against the Edmonton Oilers and play the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow. But JT Miller came out and I give him a ton of credit. You know, you have the media, a lot of guys are just stoic. They just, you know, they tow the company line, so to speak, which has never been a, an MO of mine. Um, but he he comes out and says it's not safe. Guys are still really sick. This is not the time to, to get the season back going. And, you know, I don't know what's happening inside the locker room. I don't know the feeling. I don't know what families are going through. So to get an inside lens, I appreciate JT Miller coming out and saying that. It was an impassioned speech. You can find that on, on Instagram or Twitter. Um, and on uh, tsn.ca, but I like when athletes are quite frankly candid because it's so rare. Again, do I think Sidney Crosby would ever say this? No, I don't. And he's the face of the league. Connor McDavid recently came out and talked about Colby Cave and teams not playing that night. I give him yes. That's what. That's what just fans want. They want transparency. For the most part, fans aren't idiots. There are fans that are idiots, of course. But hearing just guys, you the NFL. The NFL is the best sport in the world for a lot of reasons. I think it's the best product. 
I think it's got the most pers- but one of the big reasons, the personalities. You listen to guys on the mic, even Tom Brady, who's corny G Wiz dad, you know, loser dad, he's he's got a personality. You think of Deion Sanders, you think of Terrell Owens. In, in today's age, you got you got some Aaron Donald. These guys give you something. Odell Beckham Jr. The N- who gives you something in the NHL? That's why David Pasternak is so great because he, being a Czech player, it's not normally European that would clue in because the language barrier can be tough, but the guy brings it. The NBA has that. But they have, for better or for worse, Kyrie Irving, he brings a personality. He brings interest. NHL players don't do that. And in this scenario, JT Miller is bringing interest, but he's also doing it, doing the right thing. So he's winning at both layers here. He's saying, I'm a player on this team. I know my teammates who are sick. It's not, it's not safe right now. I'm not going to question him on that. Um, but they delay the start. The, Toronto versus Vancouver is supposed to be tomorrow night. At, they haven't announced if that game's going to happen yet. However, I don't know. I don't see why they will play that game tomorrow. If, if they can't start tonight, well, what's a day? Uh, you know, guys are going to get on the ice today. And then I, I just, I find that strange. I'd be surprised if we don't see something today on come up on your timeline where it says Toronto versus Vancouver has been postponed until further notice or, you know, what have you is playing, playing today makes no sense. Playing tomorrow plays no sense if they can't play today. If you're start Monday, start fresh. Um, if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound, take, take, take that extra day and get better. But I just wanted to bring this up because, of course, COVID's going to have a huge part in the season. But they asked on the quiz last night if Vancouver should finish their season. And they absolutely should. They absolutely should. And there's a number of reasons. One, you signed up to play 56 games. You play 56 games. Injury, it's not about injuries. It's about a team. The Vancouver Canucks, collective bargaining agreement, said we're playing 56 games. Well, you can play 56 games because the NHL has pushed this, the schedule back, finished the season. And it's, of course, it's about money. Everything's about money. You got TV partners like Rogers and TSN that need to broadcast games. And you know what happens when the NHL does not broadcast those Canucks games? They have to pay back Rogers and TSN. That's how that works. Those all, they also have to pay back the local uh, local people that show the Canucks game. So they got to pay all those people back. NHL is losing money. Do they really want to pay back a sponsor? That's just business-wise. When it comes to health and safety, Dallas is playing. They started their year, they're out of two weeks. Yeah, I just mentioned all the, the games in hand they, ha- they have. They played so many games in a short period of time. That's just the way it is. The season's not fair for anybody. You think it's fair? I mean, Nick Felino's had to leave Columbus, leave his three kids and wife to go to Toronto. Can't see them until, until they lose. And they got cup aspirations. So that could be July if, if all goes well. Is that fair? Brayden Coburn, former, formerly of the Ottawa Senators, now New York Islanders, hadn't seen his children since Christmas. Is that fair? Probably not. But guess what? 
That's just the way it works in 2020, 2021. And that might sound cruel, but it's just the way of life. And for Vancouver, I'm sympathetic to the COVID issue, of course. I think everybody is. Uh, we're all getting sick of it. Uh, at least I can speak for myself. When you hear COVID and hear numbers, I, don't, I haven't cared in a long time. But what I do care about is sports. And I think, personally, Vancouver coming back and finishing their season is a really good story. We, we've been through a lot of shit in this year with, with racial issues with, with police and COVID and just divide amongst people. And even hockey with all the COVID cases, sports shutting down, Vancouver coming back and finishing a season. I think it shows a lot of character on the Canucks if they can do it. And who knows, maybe they get a spark. Maybe the team comes back more motivated. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but they've been a dumpster all year. Maybe they come back and show you something. That's all you can root for. But I think they should play the 56 games they're supposed to play. If you can fit it into the schedule, you play the games. And I'm fine with them not playing tonight. I'm fine with them not playing tomorrow. If they don't play tomorrow, that's still up in the air. But Monday, you start and you finish. That's what you're taught when you're young. Quitting is not an option. Quitting is only an option if you make it an option. And in my upbringing, you didn't quit. It's a lot of stuff I, I started when I, to this day in life. I mean, you can, everybody can relate. You start something and you hate it. It could be a book. It could be, if you're, if you're playing hockey, you start this camp, you, you hate the, the instructor. It could be going to the gym, could, you know, whatever, what have you. But you don't quit. You know, quitters never win. Because winners never quit. It, it's, it's basic. And being, if somebody's terminally ill, of course you're not going to play. But I'm sympathetic, but I'm not sympathetic enough to, to be an idiot. Yes, some players are really struggling, but not every player is. It's called a taxi squad. It's called the Utica Comets, where you can play guys from the AHL and give them a look. That's all I'm saying. But should they should finish their season. No doubt. Health and safety, of course. But I've heard about health and safety for over a year now. And I'm kind of fucking sick of hearing health and safety. Maybe it's just me hating the circumstances of, of COVID and how we're a year into this blank. And we're still, I feel like we're nowhere close to being back. But I've heard the word, I've heard the word normalcy for a year. I really hate that word. Uh, I, when this is all over, I never want to hear the word normalcy again. Like, we can get back to normalcy. What kind of fucking phrase is that? Let's just get back to normal. Not normal. Like, add the ACY because you think, what, you're a scholar? Get the fuck out of here. But, so if we're going to get back to normalcy, let's just play some fucking hockey. Okay? Uh, can we do that? I mean, the Canadian division skyrocketing ratings, the best division in hockey. You got to play all the games, right? Everybody, you're, on, you're, you're with me? I don't know. Just had to go into that tangent. But um, yeah, Vancouver, 
again, if it comes up on, on my phone before this podcast over, I'll let you know uh, what Vancouver, Toronto are going to do tomorrow night. But as it was last, uh, last night is reported, Vancouver, Edmonton postponed tonight. Um, and like I said, I would think it's likely Vancouver, Toronto do not play tomorrow night uh, at Rogers place. However, the Toronto Maple Leafs did play last night in uh, playing the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Winnipeg's coming off a back-to-back, winning over Ottawa. Uh, this game, you know, interesting because before in the afternoon, we learned that Austin Matthews was not going to play. He's out with an upper body injury. Uh, Sheldon Keefe says it's not too serious. Um, you know, Toronto 101, where they don't really tell you what the injury is. They're vague about it. Not going to be out long. Um, you know, Matthews has always been dinged up in his career. There's every year, you know, he's going to miss five to 10 games. So I, I wouldn't read too much into this. Uh, he, he's been playing great. You give him a little maintenance day, a day of rest. They do this with Jack Campbell every second day. So you do it with Matthews. And if I was just, you know, the guy who believed everything, I would say, of course, this is a, this is an injury. I'm not. I'm a cynic. And um, I think this was load management, to be quite honest. If you, if you never heard the term load management, load management is where you sit a player out of a game for rest, basically. But you you, you throw an injury, oh, he's got a knee tightness. Oh, okay. Who doesn't have knee tightness? Um, but you say, well, he's got knee tightness. He just wasn't feeling it this morning. We're going to give him you know, the night off battle an injury. I think this is a a rest day for Austin Matthews, quite frankly. Uh, He's been on a tear lately. He did have a wrist injury back in the earlier part of the season, but he's been scoring goals left and right. He doesn't have a wrist injury right now. So this is Toronto's version of what the NBA has been doing forever with load management. Kawhi Leonard did it for for the Toronto Raptors when they won a championship, did it effectively. You see it all over the NBA where, you know, Kevin Durant did it the other night against the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, So did, you know, uh, Blake Griffin, we see it all the time. Uh, LeBron James even does it. You know, load management is a part of the game. And it was only a matter of time before it got into hockey that load management was going to be a thing. And I think it's here. Again, they're going to say it's an injury. If he misses four to five games, then, okay, I'll come on here and say I'm wrong. And, you know, I I took it too far. But he's he's playing great. I didn't see anything in Tuesday night that would make me think he's got an injury playing a ton of minutes again it's rest but they don't want to say rest so they'll say load management it's it's load management that's what i thought last night was anyway but before the game we did see frederick anderson he uh practiced uh during the morning skate he's going to travel with toronto on their upcoming road trip so you know he hadn't been on the ice in almost a month i think it was march 19th yesterday was april 15th so nearly a month uh, between getting on the ice. So, you know, what getting him on the ice and what transpired last night makes the story even more interesting and will make it even more insufferable, in my opinion, in, in, the, uh, in the coming weeks. But, you know, last night, Toronto Maple Leafs get up, get an early lead, and then within a three-minute period, they let in three goals. It starts Nick Ehlers on the right half wall, Gets a shot through on the power play. Jack Campbell can't get his glove on it. Bad goal goes in. Then you, you get next play. They get a, 
odd man rush. Kyle Connor gets gets the puck same spot that Ehlers was, puts it past uh, Jack Campbell, two one. Then with another minute later, Mark Scheifele gets a breakaway. He goes uh, b- backhand forehand, beats Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell lets in three goals on the first seven shots of the game. He's yanked. Now, why why would you say this is intriguing? Well, Freddie Anderson's on the ice that morning, right? And hadn't seen him forever. He's been their starting goalie for a number of seasons. Jack Campbell had won 12 in a row. Greatest start in, in the uh, in league history when it comes to, to starting a season with a goaltending goaltender winning that many games. But he played Saturday, and they did win, but he let in five goals. And, you know, he took the blame for it. He's Mr. You know, Mr. Teammate. And, you know, there were some softies there. Like Toronto played terrible in front of him, so that wasn't all his fault. And they seemed to have that trend against Ottawa. But that's fine. They, they get a win. Then they go into Monday, Monday's game, lay an egg, uh, and they lose that one. So against Montreal. Again, a couple a couple goals he'd want back. I think the Josh Anderson winner, you know, I was, again, on the glove side, uh, beats him over the top of the glove. I think he'd want that one back. But, you know, he gets his first loss of the season, so he can't really blame him. He doesn't play Tuesday night, but Riddick plays okay. They lose in overtime. But you get to last night. He gets pulled, you know, th- three goals in the first seven shots. Do I think, you know, the Shrifley goal, he had no chance. The first goal was 100% his fault. You got to st- you gotta save that. NHL goaltender saves that. The Kyle Connor goal, um, you know, maybe you get a save there. But Kyle Connor's got one of the best shots in the NHL, so I'm not going to bury him for that one. You know, Kyle Connor, he, he's one of the more underrated players in, in the whole game maybe because he plays in Winnipeg or because he doesn't play in Toronto. But um, so th- that happens. But I haven't seen this article yet, but I know it's going to come out today. It- it's going to come because Toronto media guys are just so unoriginal. They-, they just, they have to write it. You know, the goalie controversy, it's here. Don't, at least fans, it's here. Because Jack Campbell, he was the top of the world. He was Ken Dryden. He was the man. Ed Bell, he was Ed Belfour. Couldn't be stopped. And then he had a couple games where he looks like he's got a leaky faucet. And now, well, who's going to be the starting goalie come playoff time? Jack Campbell or Frederick Anderson? Well, I'm going to put this to bed right now. There is no goalie controversy. Because Frederick Anderson hasn't been on the ice in a month. And before that, he looked terrible. So guess what, Toronto? For better or for worse, you're, you're starting goalie is Jack Campbell. And for every Le- – I'm sure this Leafs fan listening is saying, oh, no shit, Noah. Really? You're not worried in the back of your mind? You know you're having this little debate in your head right now. Because you're like, oh, Campbell didn't look real good last night. Muzzin and Hall, that deep pair hasn't looked good recently either. So put a bit of blame on them. But, you know, Toronto loses their third straight. The third row where the goaltending hadn't been fantastic. I mean, they, they get back in the game last night. David Riddick lets in an ugly fourth goal where Ehlers just outworks Mitch Marner. Just faster, quicker on the puck, stronger. Gets the puck from him, brings it to the net, puts it where Riddick I don't, was going for a poke check or something. I don't know what the hell he was doing. But you got Riddick. You got, An- you got Anderson. You got Jack Campbell. And you got Hutchinson. You have four, 
four guys that have played this year for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's kind of like the Carolina situation I mentioned earlier. Do you have a guy that you trust? To me, it's a non-starter because Jack Campbell's your guy right now. Frederick Anderson hasn't been, hasn't been on the ice in a month. I'm talking about a practice till yesterday before the morning skate. You're riding with Campbell. He won you 12 in a row. You're going to hope he finds it. Again, being transparent with the media I mentioned, having personality, you know, just being interesting. Jack Campbell is getting up there for me as one of the more kiss-assy people with the media. Every game's his fault. And, you know, they were winning 2-1, and he's like, oh, I should have stopped that puck, and there's a few goals I'd like to have back. Like, ugh, save it. Um, but it, Toronto's lost three in a row. They're going to be fine. Uh, you know, th- this happens. It's happened, you know, it's happened to other, other teams in division more and more. You know, uh, Winnipeg's gone through spurts. We look at Calgary and Edmonton and, and Montreal. So losing three in a row for Toronto is not a big deal. Uh, they have a three-point lead on Winnipeg. It's a little interesting. Uh, you know, you got Toronto, who I, who I think on paper is the best team. And, you know, Winnipeg did not add at the trade deadline other than Jordy Ben. So they, but what Toronto had to improve their forwards. And I understand why they did because they look at their toughest competition to get to the third round and it's Winnipeg, Winnipeg. I've said this many times on the podcast. I'm sticking by it. They have the strongest top nine forward group in the NHL better than Toronto's Toronto will be right there. Uh, top, top three or four for sure. But I, I don't even Tampa Bay or Colorado. I look at, Winnipeg, and I don't see a weakness. Connor, Shifley, Ehlers, um, Cop, Lowry, Wheeler, uh, Mason Appleton, it, they're loaded. So, but that that's the worry. You see last night who scores the goals for Winnipeg. They're stars. Connor, Shifley, Ehlers scores twice. So, Toronto's going to get that, of course. And, but, you know, I, I, I'm going to give credit to Alex Galchenyuk. I motivated him. I'm, I'm going to take credit too, because I motivated him yesterday, you know, one goal in 13 games. And, um, you know, he's working really hard you know, working. You love that work ethic being on the second line, but he provides you nothing. So that's always positive. But last night he plays with Tavares and Marner and he scores a goal. Kudos to him. Um, you know, I was at the parents' house, watched, I actually listened to an intermission show, which was the, probably the first time I've listened to one in months. You know, Dave Poulin said that, uh, you know, Galchenyuk's doing more and more to put himself into that second line role. Um, I don't know, Dave. Uh, again, that's three goals in 14 games. I, I give him a ton of credit for getting one last night because he clearly listened to, to the point and he, he wanted to show out for me and kind of shut me up. That's one goal. It's one game. And you're playing with Marner and, you know, Marner, you got, you know, ragdolled, you know, got ragdolled by Nick Ehlers last night in that play where he looked like, you know, the goat, the lowercase goat. Um, but you're playing with, with a elite talent. You're not going to be playing with, with Marner when Matthews is out. You're playing with Bill and Tavares. What can you do? I don't think he's done anything to prove that he's a second line winger. When Felino's out of quarantine, this is what I expect. I think it's wrong, but this is what I expect. I think Felino will be put on a line with 
Matthews and Marner. I think they're going to start him on the top line to see what he does with that line. They love to experiment with those two guys. I think they so desperately do not want to play Zach Hyman with those two, which is mind-boggling to me. Yes, you want players in your lineup. You want talent dispersed. But do it another way. Marner's not a guy that can go in the corner and get the puck. You proved that, that last night against Ehlers. Ehlers is not a Adam Lowry. He's not a truck. Ehlers just was physically stronger than Mitch Marner last night. I think he is physically stronger than Mitch Marner. Night in, night out. Hyman's going to go get you the puck. And it, it doesn't put Matthews in that corner to go get it every time either. Because you don't want him getting hit after hit, cross-check after cross-check. Because the guy is not that durable. We've seen that's not me making a, a big bold statement. We've seen that over his career. The guy gets injured a lot. So that's important. Then I think they'll put him there. Then they'll put, I think they'll put Hyman with Tavares and Marner. Uh, sorry, Tavares and Nylander, hoping to find a spark with that line. So that puts Galchenyuk on the third line. And that's dangerous spot for him. Because who's he going to play with? Angval and Mikheyev? How, how productive he's going to be. He's playing with two guys who combined have stones for hands. He's a, he's a player that needs to provide points, needs to provide offense. I, I see that being problematic. And then if you can't play in the third line, you're not putting him on your fourth line. So are they going to keep Nick Roberts in the lineup? They shouldn't. He's not NHL ready. He's not developed. That's not his, again, that's not his fault. He hasn't played a lot of hockey in the last calendar year. With the OHL being shut down, he needs to go play with them. The Marlies are shut down. When they start, he needs to go play with them. You need to develop your prospects. He's not ready to play yet. People clamoring for him. Watch him play a couple games. He's not an NHL player. So Galchenia could be the option. But to me, I just see a lot of moving parts before that starts. Because I think Felino's going to get a crack on that top line, his first game that he's eligible. And I don't see, unless they put Galchenyuk and they keep him in the second line, but I think they'll want Hyman with Tavares and, and Nylander to see if they can spark that line. If that can be a line for them going forward, they want that third line checking line so badly. Maybe they don't put Hyman there, but to say Galchenyuk's locked that position in is a big overstatement in my opinion. And I, Scoring one goal, you know, three goals in 14 games does not prove to me that he's a second-line player night in, night out on a Stanley Cup contender. I mean, the guy's been on nine teams in seven years. It's just the, just the fact. Um, so that's Canadian division. you got Montreal, Calgary tonight. Uh, big game. Uh, Calgary's within four points of Montreal. And, you know, Montreal does have three games in hand, but like we've been saying all morning, that means nothing if, um, if you don't win those games. So, Important game for both. That's at seven o'clock start uh, tonight. Uh, so both those teams will go head to head tonight. East division. East division is interesting because last night we had a lot of kind of a losses by teams that should be winning, but the team that did kind of show out was the Boston Bruins. Taylor Hall scored his first goal. Um, gets set up by David Pasternak. David Pasternak gets a couple assists. Marshan has a three-point night, and you know Boston gets the win over the uh, New York Islanders. So big win, big win for the Bruins. And you know this, I think they may you may see Boston experiment with Pasternak playing with Taylor Hall, which I don't think is a terrible idea. Uh, Pasternak obviously is great on that perfection line. I think he's one of the best players in the NHL. Uh, 
Yeah, he's in my top 15 for sure, the way he plays the game. But put Pasternak, he's known to be a goal scorer, yet he's had over 45 assists in every 82-game season he's played over the last three years. The guy has good hands. It's just not a, something that people know about his game. So putting him, putting the two together could be interesting because Hall is a finisher, but he can also pass the puck. And you want him playing with an elite player. He's going to come in here with lack of confidence. You're not breaking up Marshan and Bergeron. Marshan's been playing at such a high level. He's willing this team to the playoffs, in my opinion. And so, so big win there. We also see uh, the Rangers. They continue to win. You know, they beat New Jersey again last night. They're, they're playing an easy part of their schedule. They get New Jersey a lot. Play New Jersey again on Sunday. But they're winning. You know, Panarin gets three goals. Colin Blackwell, who Nashville basically just gave away. He's having a career season for, for the Rangers. He's playing extremely well. Shesterkin's uh, solid in net. And you know, Adam Fox is having a great season on the back end. Now, the Rangers were in it till the end last year. It could be a little too little too late. Boston has a couple games in hand with a four-point lead. But who knows? The Rangers are riding high right now. They got a lot of youngsters who aren't going to be afraid to just play hard down the stretch and see what happens. So, so they get a win. Philly actually wins a game last night with Carter Hart and Nett, which I know it's mind-boggling. They beat Pittsburgh in the gimmick 2-1. Um, and but they're you know they're two points behind the, they're six points behind Boston, two points behind the Rangers. It's too little, too late for Philly, in my opinion. Um, they're going to need to go on a real run, hope that Boston falters. Because, again, it's just been a mess of a season for Philly. Carter Hart, that whole drama, him playing, Voracek and Giroux looking old, looking uh, like the Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monaghan of the Eastern Conference, where they're over-promised and under-delivered. Uh, and some regression from some of the younger talent and Philip Myers, Travis Sanheim, Provorov, um, just to name a few, Travis Konechny, who if you watch Flyers game, you pro, you've definitely heard the name Travis Konechny because he, he does get some pub as a really good player. And he is a pretty good player, uh, but his hockey sense, his hockey IQ is bottom 10 in the NHL. Number 11 for the Philadelphia Flyers. They play um, Washington tomorrow afternoon. Tune into that one. He takes so many stupid penalties. It could be cross-checking. It can be stupid trips after somebody gets the puck from him. And I get why Alain Vigneault benches him because he's just a hothead that makes really dumb decisions. Where, okay, you got beat for the puck. Try to get it back. Don't hook the guy because you lost the puck battle. Or he gets in front of that and throws a late punch after the whistle. He gets taken out of the scrum because he's the only one that engaged. He... He can be a 30 goal scorer. He can be, I think he can be a better Brendan Gallagher or at least as an effective Brendan Gallagher, but he's not good enough at it right now. And he's definitely in Vigneault's doghouse a lot, but I understand why. I think we see players get stuck in a rut where the coach is just unfair. That's not one of these cases. Vigneault has given this player a lot of leash and Konechny keeps trying to pull more. And it's just, it's like a house of cards falling where he, he doesn't know what to do. So a lot of problems this year in Philly goaltending, obviously the most notable, but they get a win last night. So an upset over Pittsburgh. We also saw Buffalo beat Washington last night. Uh, Anders Bjork had three points for Buffalo. He was in the Taylor Hall trade. So he's had um, three points in his first four, first two games as a Buffalo Sabre. 
they got three out of four points. Buffalo's actually been playing better as of late, but doesn't mean anything. They're going to miss the playoffs. They're just screwing themselves over for potential lottery picks. So that's typical Buffalo there. Uh, but Anthony Mantha scores again for Washington. So he's got goals in his first two games as a capital. That's a good sign. But like I said, you need to see over time, good progression from him because his give a shit meter can often start at, you know, go. And then it goes past the, you know, no effort within a couple games of him being there. So we'll see what happens. But this East division, you got Washington up top, you got Islanders, and then you have Pittsburgh and Boston is five points behind a Pittsburgh. So, you know, they're kind of in an interesting spot because they're four points up on the Rangers, five points back at Pittsburgh. So they're both fighting for a playoff position, but also potentially has an outside chance of getting into that third spot if they can play some good hockey down the stretch. Tuka Ras supposed to be back soon. They had some injury problems on their back end. But unless Taylor Hall can be a godsend, I don't see the Boston Bruins being a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, they don't have enough depth. They, their defense core is mediocre on their best of days. And this is, a, this is a franchise that's been successful from 2010. Really, if you look through the 2010s, they were one of the more consistent teams. They went to three Stanley Cup finals winning one in 2011, losing in 2013, and losing in 2019. But a really consistent bunch. And you got to give them a ton of credit, but it's a team in transition. They lose Sedano Chara. David Krejci is likely going to be gone. Patrice Bergeron's on the back nine of his career. They do still have Marshan, and they have Pasternak to build on. Tuka Rask is on the last year of his contract. Where does that go? So after a long period of success, I just see this team being – not, not having enough good prospects. Their defense scores, like I said, nothing to be desired. And it, it's just, it's a state of transition for the Boston Bruins where if they do make the playoffs, it'll be great. But I don't see expectations being super high if they were to draw Washington uh, in the first round because Washington's just a better team than they are right now. So let's kind of talk with the NHL uh, today. Uh, some good games tonight. Uh, you've got Sharks, Wild, uh Golden Knights, Kings, and uh, I mentioned Calgary, Vancouver. Or sorry, uh, Calgary, Montreal tonight. So, some some good hockey tonight. Um, you know, after you know, last weekend was the Masters, and usually after the Masters tournament, you don't see a strong field play the next tournament. However, you know, this weekend it's the RBC Heritage in Hilton Head, South Carolina. It's a beautiful course, and a lot of guys love playing it. So. After a major, we, we actually see a really good field. Um, at the top of the leaderboard yesterday, shooting a 62 is Cameron Smith. And he's an Aussie. He hasn't won a major or anything, but this, this guy's a good, really good PGA Tour player. Um, he finished uh, top three at the PGA uh, last year. Really good, uh, really good putter and a strong player, but shoots 62 to start the tournament. You get Stuart Sink, who shoots a 63. He's at eight under. Uh get second place, start this tournament. But then you look behind that, you got Colin Morikawa in third place at, at six under. So you're seeing some big names, Corey Connors, Matt Hughes, uh, Daniel Berger, all, you know, two, two Canadians and Berger obviously being a multiple time PGA tour winner, all at four under. And in the field this week, you got Dustin Johnson, you got Webb Simpson, Patrick Cantlay, Lee Westwood. So a lot of the guys who missed the cut at the masters are here playing at the RBC heritage. But it's normally a tournament where you see guys that are just basically have to play the event to, to make money to try to keep their PGA Tour card. 
well, you know, you're seeing some big names play. And I like that. Uh, you watched this yesterday. It's a beautiful course, really well managed. And, but looking at the top leaderboard, Cam Smith, uh, you got to look at Morikawa as being a guy. Uh, he didn't have a great Masters. I'm sure he wasn't happy about that. Uh, he won the Travelers uh, a few weeks ago. So um, Dustin Johnson only shoots one under yesterday. Again, he's been going through a tough patch here. He can, no, he can, ha on this course, he could shoot a 62. So he's definitely not out of it. He's one under, but he could have a huge day and be right back into it. Patrick Cantlay missed the cut badly at the Masters. He's a guy that can, has shot 62 in his career or better. So these guys that are right now just at even par one under, which is what you know, DJ at one under, yet Simpson, Cantlay, and Lee Westwood are all at even par. These guys can have huge days and get back into the swing of things, get back into the top of the leaderboard. But, you know, nevertheless, you, this is, it's good to see a tournament where you have some big names, but also, you know, you don't see Rory McIlroy there. I, I thought after his Masters and just really an embarrassing performance for him, you might see him just come here, try to get some confidence back, but he's, he's a no-show. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it, when you can get golf every weekend, it's a good thing. Uh, it, it's just, it's just positive for me. Um, and it makes you at least think the weather's going to be good because they're calling for snow tomorrow in Rexton. So that's depressing. You see a, you know, beautiful Hilton Head, South Carolina, you see the good weather, you see the greens. It makes you think of, of summer and better days coming. Um, so we'll see what comes of it, but strong first day for Cameron Smith, but you got Morikawa, you got the Canadians, Daniel Berger lurking in the weeds, so to speak. So Hopefully we, we see a good day today and then it leads into a, a good weekend of golf um, for, for all involved. And we're going to wrap today talking about Steph Curry. You know, Steph Curry Monday passed Will Chamberlain as the all-time leading Golden State Warriors points leader. And that's a big deal. You know, Will Chamberlain, one of the best players in the history of the game, you know, one of the more unstoppable forces in, in the history of the game. But, you know, he played for a bunch of different teams. So he his legacy on golden state, you know, was limited because he, he bounced around a lot and played for a lot of different locales, but Steph Curry's only played for the golden state warriors. And you think of a guy six, two, and he's a guard and you're going to change the game. And people would say, well, that's crazy. You know, you think of guys that have changed the NBA Shaquille O'Neal might he was an unstoppable force. He was, you know, seven feet tall, 325 pounds where you really, you could not move him in the paint. Michael Jordan to, an extent changed the game because just the Jordan way, the Jordan brand, what he brought, that aura that he brought to the game of basketball. Um, so in my opinion, Larry Bird, you see a white guy with athleticism that's um, average to below average, but he tears up the NBA. He's one of the greatest players ever. And do you see a Dirk Nowitzki without a Larry Bird? Probably not. Do you see a Luka Doncic now without a Larry Bird? Probably not. So there's guys that have just done a lot for the game of basketball. Now you look at Steph Curry. Comes in out of Davidson. Looks like a kid, you know, weighing 170 pounds, which he does. And he, but he can, what, what he can do is shoot a three. Now, a lot of guys can shoot the three, but he legitimately can pull up from half court and nail shots. And Nobody's ever had more of a green light 
in the history of any sport than Steph Curry. If you pull up from half court, you're feeling it. You can shoot it. And you're not going to go to the bench and the coach is going to say, what the hell are you doing? Like you sit your ass on the bench, you're done. He does it consistently. And looking at the NCAA ranks, the college ball, younger kids, they want to be Steph Curry. Being in the paint and being that big guy, you know, that owns the paint, that's not sexy anymore because it doesn't happen. You see seven foot centers coming in the NBA, they shoot threes. And a lot of that is because, yeah, the game's changed, but the game's changed because of Steph Curry. What he can do is just incredible, but it's also made people reconsider like, okay, this is what I have to do to be in the NBA. This is what it takes. And little kids, they look at Steph Curry, even big little kids and Drake, who has a tattoo of Steph Curry. Um, you, you look at it and say, this is who I want to be. I could maybe be Steph Curry. You know, I'm, I'm slow. I'm, I got my build. I, I am a skinny kid. If you're a kid, I can, but I can shoot the three or I got handles like crazy and I can pull up from anywhere. And you could say it's done harm to the game because, and I, I think it has, because I think um, the younger kids aren't Steph Curry. Steph Curry can do it. There's guys that come into the NBA that think they are Trey young. I look at him. He's a very good little player, but he's not Steph Curry. I think he tries to be Steph Curry more often than not. But, you know, nine straight 30-point games. I mean, he's a three-time champion. Um, he, he's going to have a legacy that lives on forever. You know, his, they have a basketball family where his, his father, Dell, played in the NBA. His brother, Seth, currently plays for the Philadelphia 76ers. So, but Steph, they're basketball royalty, but he – He'll be an easy Hall of Famer. And I think you talk about the logo being Jerry West. It could be Kobe Bryant. It could be Michael Jordan if you really want it to be. But I look at Steph Curry and I put him right there because who has done more to change the game of basketball in the last 25 years? And I don't think you could come up with a name that's more impactful than Steph Curry. Shooting the three used to be a gimmick. Steve Kerr, as coach, used to do it, and Reggie Miller, and but it wasn't popularized. It, 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 we didn't shoot that many. Ray Allen started doing, but Steph Curry made the three sexy. You know, it was back in the day. It was a marketing campaign. Chicks dig the long ball when it comes to basketball. Shooting threes is what's sexy right now in the NBA. Getting to the paint, getting twelve offensive rebounds. Ugh, you're just a plugger. Steph Curry shooting from half court, then doing, you know, a shimmy back down the court. That's what's selling. And it's, it's just interesting. And I don't think anybody's had more of a profound impact, maybe on any sport in the past 20, 25 years since Steph Curry has in the game of, of basketball. But congratulations to him. Nine straight 30 point games. Fantastic player. And I'm sure he's got a lot more coming down the stretch here. But that's going to do it for today's show. I'll be back tomorrow morning, uh, talk about the action tonight. Um, some interesting, preview some UFC tomorrow night with um, Whitaker getting back in the cage with Kelvin Gaslam. Talk about the, uh, the games this evening, the golf, all of that. So everybody have a great weekend. Made it to a Friday. Hope you guys are all doing well. Uh, stay safe from the snow, whatever the hell comes tomorrow. But until then, take care, and uh, we'll talk soon.